welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, children, stay put with us this morning. Our children's workers are getting a uh, couple-week break there for Christmas and New Year's. So thank God for all those children worker, children's workers that work week in and week out to help you as parents disciple uh, your children. And first, let me say Happy New Year. Um, so let me give you a little prologue. Why on this Happy New Year have you told us about 29 censers and a thousand basins and all these vessels and all of these uh, weird kind of details that you just brought out? Well, I'm not starting a new series in Ezra that I know of, unless the Lord leads me to do that. Uh, Lord willing, next week, um, uh, more than likely, I'll always leave that open, uh, that we'll start uh, working through the book of Acts together. And so that's what we're looking for for this uh, new year. But why Ezra 1 this morning? Uh, one reason is that uh, this was the passage, here's where I got to Ezra chapter 1, that our kids were going to be studying this morning with their Sunday school teachers. They start a brand new unit this morning, so they're in here with us this morning. And Ezra chapter 1, with the people of God returning to Jerusalem out of Babylon to rebuild the temple, that's what they were going to start to learn this morning. And so with them with us this morning, we're going to learn about Ezra together. And so that's one reason that we were doing it. When I began to study Ezra chapter 1, I realized... So here's the second reason why on this happy new year are we looking at Ezra chapter 1. One, because the kids are with us and I wanted to carry them along with their gospel project curriculum. Number two, when I was studying this, I realized that contextually this helps us a lot with our new year. We see the people of God in Ezra chapter 1 walking into a new day with new opportunities, with great hope and great expectations of what was to come. We see a lot about rest, as we will see in Ezra chapter 1. And one thing I wanted to hold before you this morning is praying that God would show you more and more how to rest in this new year, hence the title, The Rest of the Year. And here's what I want to hold before you this morning, that there is a lot of excitement, but maybe there is a lot of anxiety as well of what might be ahead in this new year. With a new year and new opportunities, new initiatives, new hopes, new dreams. Maybe finally seeing a year that you hope that all the pieces fit together. Or maybe seeing a year for you before you that you're wondering how will any piece ever fit together. My question to you this morning will be how will you rest this year? What we see in Ezra chapter 1, what we know about the context is that God's people were starving for rest. They had been in exile for some 70 years. They had been removed from their homeland, living in Babylon. And now they're returning to their city. They're returning to their home. And what they're hoping for is shalom, true rest, finally returning to the place where they can experience peace and wholeness and the flourishing that they long for. What they're hoping for is for the temple to be rebuilt where the presence of God is represented to be dwelling among them that they might once again live in that place. But here's what I want to submit to you this morning is not only, and we're going to get some help here in Ezra chapter 1, not only are the people of God starving for rest and finally getting that opportunity for rest, 
one quote that's really been floating around in my head. I can't remember where I first heard it, but it's been ringing in my head for, for, for several months now because I think it is true that God's people here and now are longing for rest. Here's, here's the quote that I heard. Perhaps this is a bit of you. It says this, one of the strangest symptoms of Americans of American society's sickness, one of the strangest symptoms of American society's sickness is that we are addicted to leisure, yet starving for rest. We long for rest like no other generation. And we try to deal with that rest, and what we see a lot is an addiction to leisure. And we're constantly going, constantly traveling, constantly vacation, which doesn't necessarily mean a, a bad thing, but, but I think underneath some of that, some of it, not all of it, I'm not, if someone's out of town this morning and, and traveling, I'm not like um, messing over that or anything like that. But, but what I'm saying is, if we, if we look for rest, sometimes we say, if I had more leisure, if I had some more time off, then I would experience rest. And so we pursue rest in all sorts of ways that the Bible says won't necessarily bring you rest. Would you agree to, with me this morning that we are a society that's starving for rest? That we are a people that are starving for rest and just can't seem to find it. Even though we have more leisure and opportunities for leisure than we've ever had, we just can't find rest. Rest is hard to get our minds around. Rest is not laziness, but neither should physical rest be ignored. Yes, physical rest has something to do with this. Jesus withdrew and he got away from people and he rested from people and we are to rest and take a Sabbath. And yes, it's physical rest. And that's part of it. Maybe that's part of what you need to experience more this year. You need to pull back and find places where you can physically rest. But here's the thing. Rest is also a posture of the soul. Rest is a posture of the heart where we are at ease because we know that all things are working together and we are trusting that all things are working together even when we don't see it. One author said this, only one thing can satisfy the restlessness of the human soul, the rest of God. And the only way we can access God's rest is by faith in Jesus Christ, the one who secures God's rest for believers through his death and resurrection. If we reject the promises of the gospel, then we will die in the wilderness. But if we trust in the promises and in the God who makes him, we will enter God's rest. Here's my point. Are you planning to experience rest this year or are you busy trying to make your life just so that you are robbing yourself of rest? Now let's look at the context of Ezra chapter 1. Kids, you will recognize these videos. We're going to take a look at the Gospel Project video that you would have seen this morning to help us get a little bit of context of Ezra chapter 1. And then we'll continue on with our ser sermon. So go ahead and look at the screens to see a little context of Ezra chapter 1 this morning. Thank you. 
All right, so kids, that's the video that you did see this morning as you continue to study that, that God is faithful to his promises. Hopefully that gives you a little picture of the context of what's going on here. The people of God in Jerusalem had been let captive, had been captive in Babylon since 586 BC. But God had made a promise to Jeremiah that after 70 years that they would be brought back home. And though his people were in exile, he would carry them home. And God stirs the heart of Cyrus. And who is Cyrus? He's the king of Persia. Babylon is now gone, which was the superpower that brought the people into exile. Now Persia is the superpower. And get this, the people of God, under the unrelenting and seemingly unending power of Babylon, now find themselves under a new power. And God stirs the heart of Cyrus to send his people back home that they might rebuild the temple. So, so here, here's what I want us to get after. I think if we can understand the work of God in this passage, then we will be well on our way to understanding and having our minds around rest in this new year. The first thing, yes, we're going to talk about the promises of God in the second. That's what our kids will be talking about in their big picture question throughout uh, this next unit is, does God keep his promises? Absolutely, God keep, keeps his promises. And that will be one point of our sermon. But the first thing I want you to see this morning in this passage is that we can rest in God's providence. We can rest in God's providence. Something that's clear in this passage is that God is at work. We see it at least two times in a very particular way. Did you notice in verse 1, it says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of, of, of Persia, the word of the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. And, and notice something about Cyrus. He's not a religious leader. He is not a prophet. Cyrus is a politician. And he knows if he can get in good with the people of God, the people of Israel, then perhaps he will have some clout with him. So this isn't necessarily a religious move. This is probably more of a political move. But nevertheless, it is the Lord that is stirring the heart of Cyrus, the king of Persia. And notice again what it says in verse 5. That the people of God who return to the land, all of the priests and Levites and everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go and rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. Did Cyrus make this decree? Absolutely Cyrus made this decree. Did the people of God actually walk and strive to get back to Jerusalem? Absolutely they did. But who is in control of all of this? It is God. Who stirred Cyrus's heart? It was God. Who stirred the people's heart to go back? It was God. God was accomplishing all of his purposes. And this is what we mean when we talk about the providence of God. God is in absolute control and total control of every event and every detail and every facet of everything that happens. This is the providence of God that God is in charge here. Cyrus is not, King Cyrus is not in charge. God is in charge. He is the one who is stirring the hearts. If you want to know why these things happen in Ezra chapter 1, it is because God did it. God moved the hearts of people, believers and even unbelievers. He were like pawns in his hands. And think for the moment, for a moment, of the rest we can experience when we know that God is in charge, 
that we know God's providential hand in all things. That all things are working out according to the counsel of His will. I would venture to say that there are some things in my life and your life that lead to unrest, that lead to anxiety because we don't know what God is up to, but we can know that God is up to something, that God is doing something according to the counsel of his will. Think about all the details of your life that cause unrest and maybe it's details that have brought you into this very place this morning burdened. You want to see something else this year and you don't know how God will unfold this year. One thing that will give your soul rest is to know the providence of God. God is in control. And here's what needs to anchor our soul in this. God is in control. He's good. He loves you. He cares for you. And he has promised his love and care for you. And you can trust his providential hands in all things. So the first thing that I want you to see, find rest this year. Find rest in the providence of God. The second thing that I want to encourage you with this morning is not only to find rest in the providence of God, but find rest in the promises of God. You see this in Ezra chapter 1, don't, don't you? In the first year of King Cyrus, look at me, with me excuse me, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of, so that by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. God had made a promise through his prophet that after 70 years, they would return to the land. And as, as, we're, as we're reading this book, as we're reading Ezra chapter 1, we're seeing that all of the promises of God are yes, they will come to pass, they will come to fruition. What God is unfolding in history is according to his promises. Now, think of the people returning to this land. Think of what they're returning to. They're returning to their homeland. They're returning to this place where they hope they experience the shalom and maybe the rest they got under King David and King Solomon and all of these glory days of the temple. But notice what they are returning to. Their land has been overtaken, and you saw it in the video, that the temple had been wiped clean And everything had been removed from the temple. There were no jobs, no homes. They had nothing to cling to but the promises of God. That God had promised they would return. They don't know what it's going to take to rebuild the temple, how long it's going to take to rebuild the temple, how all of this is going to unfold. They're not sure how God's going to provide or how are the details are going to play out. They're not sure, I'm sure, how they'll make a living, how they'll make homes or what they were going back to or what they would see as they entered back into Jerusalem, but they trusted and they obeyed and they clinged to the, and they clung to the promises of God. Here's what I want you to know about this. Here's the thing about rest. Rest doesn't always depend upon perfect conditions. Rest does not always depend upon perfect conditions. Does anybody in here need perfect conditions to rest? You need the room just so. The AC has to be set at the right temperature. The fan has to be humming on speed number two, not speed number three. 
Have you been here before? The quietness has to be just so, and that was completely disrupted last night with all of the fireworks at midnight, right? Everything that you held dear was absolutely disrupted last night. And sometimes we're like that, unless everything is just so, unless we can see the end before the beginning, we will never take the step along the journey that God has promised to carry us along. He's promised to never leave or forsake us. He's promised us his unending love. He's promised us strength. He's promised us renewal. He's promised us rest. He's promised us himself to never leave or forsake us. If you will experience rest in this new year, perhaps we need to get our minds on the promises of God, not the conditions of what we might be walking into in this New Year. Maybe you treat your family like that sometimes. Unless my husband does this just so, or unless my wife does this just so, or unless my kids does this just so, then I am an absolute anxious, nervous wreck. But what if God promised to be with you, and everything didn't have to be just so, but you were clinging to the promises of God, going through this year with all of your hopes and visions and anticipations, Maybe we need to get our minds on the promises of God and we will be less anxious, more at peace, more at rest, trusting him all the way. Do you see the providence of God in this passage? Do you see the promises of God being fulfilled? And number three, yes, I'm going all peas this morning. The providence of God, the promises of God. Do you see the provision of God in this chapter? Perhaps they were wondering, going back to Jerusalem, how would God provide all they need? How would God provide everything that Nebuchadnezzar took away from the temple? All of those items that they used for worship, all of the money that they would need to rebuild the temple, how would God provide? So you understand God's working everything out to according to the counsel of his will. You understand that we are clinging to the promises of God, even we won't understand his providence But know this, that God promises that he will provide this year and every day and every moment your daily bread, everything that you need. You wonder why God inspires this passage of giving all of these details. 30 basins of gold, a thousand bases of silver, 29 censers, 30 bowls of gold, 410 bowls of silver, 1,000 other vessels, 5,400 vessels in all, not to mention all of these free will offerings. Here's something I think we learned that I think will put our souls at rest and help us to experience rest this coming year is not only are we resting in his providence and promises, but we can rest in his provision for even the details of our lives. You see, sometimes it's, it's not so much that we're not trusting in the providence of God. It's not so much that we don't understand the promises of God that he's made for us. What really brings anxiety and unrest is what will God provide for me this afternoon? What will God provide for me next week? How will God lead me along the way that he has called me and promised to lead me along? Here's what we see in Ezra chapter 1 verses 6 through 11 in parts of the Bible that may seem like insignificant detail. This tells us that God is a God of details. That he has the details of your life taken care of. If God kept pots and pans in exile... 
that Nebuchadnezzar took away and saw to it that those pots and pans would make it back to the temple just as he had promised. Fear not, little flock. Will not God provide everything that you need? Isn't this what Jesus tells us? You see those birds and how I care for them. You see those lilies of the fields, how I clothe them. Don't you think that I care for you even more than them? I will provide everything that you need. How many of us experience anxiety and unrest and are overwhelmed, not so much with his providence and promises, but how will God provide? How will his provision carry us through the details of this coming year? God cares for us. He protects. He provides. What details are robbing you of rest this morning? The next thing I want you to see is we'll have rest this year, not only because of the providence of God, the promises of God, the provision of God. The final P is because we will recognize that we are on a pilgrimage, that we are pilgrims. Look at the end of Ezra chapter 1. All these vessels that he brought back and all these Shesbazar said to bring up and brought up with him. Look at the end in verse 11. And when the exiles were brought up from Babylon to Jerusalem. These were pilgrims. These were sojourners. They realized that the place of exile was not their home and that God would one day bring them from Babylon to Jerusalem and behold, he did. They knew they were pilgrims while they were living in exile. And and what we know about the rest of Ezra and Nehemiah and the rest of the Old Testament is when God brought them back to Jerusalem, this was not the final return to Jerusalem. The temple wasn't as they thought it would be, and they were still longing for something else. They were still longing for the true temple. And did you know that this is how the Bible ends? Did you know this in Revelation chapter 18? We read that... What city is destroyed? Babylon. What descends from heaven? The new Jerusalem. And the people of God who were living, as Augustine would say, in the city of man, living in this Babylon of here and now, Babylon was destroyed. Jerusalem came down to earth. And these pilgrims, you and I, who are walking in Babylon, now walk into the new Jerusalem and enjoy the perfect temple, the perfect holy of holies, where God's presence dwells with us forever. And so, brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to know about being a pilgrim. I think you will find rest this year if you know where you are going. This is where the people of God in Hebrews chapter 11 found rest. They knew they were pilgrims here on this earth. They knew they were longing for a heavenly city. And even though some were sawed in two and some experienced all this persecution, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us they knew where they were going. They knew they were headed to the heavenly city. They knew that God would bring them out of Babylon and to Jerusalem, not in the way that he did in Ezra, but in an ultimate fulfillment of that. And they knew that they were going. And because their eyes were on the heavenly city, because they knew that they were pilgrims here on this earth, they knew rest was coming. So they had midst even in the turmoil that they experienced. Have you experienced this before? Like if you know your favorite meal is being cooked tonight, or you know you're heading home after a long trip, and you know your bed is waiting, and the, and the sheets are clean, and you're going to lay your head down on your own pillow, that helps you along the journey, doesn't it? It gives you rest of what you might experience 
throughout your day, throughout your travels. Your soul is at rest even when you are weary because you know the promise of a good night's sleep is coming. As I told you, the rest was not final for these people of God in Ezra, but we are waiting for the final rest, for the final temple has come. Jesus said, destroy this temple, talking about his body, and in three days I will raise it up. We know now that the church, the true temple being built up, one stone at a time, and so we see the temple of being built, we see the glory of God filling the earth, and one day we know that Christ will come back and his glory will fill the earth as waters cover the sea. And so as you seek rest this year, will you think about the providence of God? Will you think about the promises of God? We dwell upon the provision of God and watch how he provides day in and day out. Will you recognize that you are on a pilgrimage heading to the heavenly city and God who promised to get you there will get you there? Second Peter chapter 3 says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The, lo- the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will be melt away, will melt away and burn. Verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, spot or blemish and be at peace. Be at rest, for you are a pilgrim, and one day the Lord will return, and he will bring us to our heavenly home. So let me ask you as we close out, what is bringing you unrest, perhaps last year, bleeding into this year, as you look forward into this year? What troubles, fears, anxieties, worries, pain, hurts? For we long for the day where there will be no more possibility of unrest, where every tear will be wiped, there'll be no more sickness, no more sin, all of that will be removed. We long for that day. And with that day in mind, how will you pursue rest this year for your weary souls? How will you watch for his providence? How will you remember and see his promises unfold? How will you be thankful for his provision? How will you live as a pilgrim in Babylon waiting for the new Jerusalem to come to earth? We're addicted to leisure. We're looking for rest. But this rest will only come from the hand of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, this year, let's lay our weary heads on the pillow of his providence, his promises and his provision And may the rest of this year be a sweet rest for the people of God. Let's pray.